Hey there, welcome to the Love Subscribe podcast where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I'm Dawn Hill and I am the Love Subscribe. So this morning I wanted to talk about a recent psalm that I read that was part of my five-day Bible reading program. I'm actually doing a program right now. I started at the beginning of the year, and it's one, I'm basically working through the Bible in a, an entire year, and it's a very neat program. I encourage you to check it out. It's on 5daybiblereading.com. It breaks it down each day, and it breaks it down into weeks. So you get to read some of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it's beautiful in reading it, too, because you get to see at times when you're reading on that day how the Old Testament is seamlessly interwoven and intertwined with the New Testament. And you get to appreciate the beauty of that, and you're growing in the Word of God and understanding it and reading through it in an entire year. Not to say, to pat on your back and to say, well, look what I did in a year, but to really grow in understanding the Word of God. So I encourage you to check that out. It's actually a free program that you can get. You can start it at any time. And again, you can find it on 5daybiblereading.com. So just go ahead and check that out. But I've been actually working through that since the beginning of the year. Last week, I came to one section that I was reading, and I was reading Psalm 73. And I wanted to read this entire psalm to you and share some things with you. And you may start to see as you're hearing this being read, some correlations or some uh, things that relate to our current world right now of of what we see before our eyes. And you may be having some of these same thoughts and these same feelings that this psalmist was having. And we can talk about this today and learn from it and glean from it. And one of the things I love about Psalms when I read it is it, it is a type and shadow and a portrayal, really, of a believer in Christ that we can see this today. Even in the Old Testament, it is a type and shadow of a believer in Christ being very transparent before the Lord, coming before the Lord, pouring out their heart, pouring out their their thoughts, pouring out their faith before God. And they're pouring out their struggles and their trials, their hardships, the difficulties that they're facing, they're, they're sharing their, their faults, their sins before God, and then they're encouraging themselves in the Lord. And you'll see this time and time again in the Psalms, who, whether it's David or another psalmist that's writing in the book of Psalms, you're going to see this. And it's really a, a, a beautiful picture of our walk with the Lord that we're not perfect. And we are reminded of that every single day. We are not perfect. And this is why we need the Savior. This is why we need Christ, because we are not perfect. We are not capable of perfection in and of ourselves. We are going to fall every day. We are going to fall short of the glory of God. We are going to sin. And we have to, we thank God that we have an advocate that we can go to when we're, when we're struggling, when we're facing difficulty in our life, when we do sin and we fall short, that we can go before the Father because of our advocate, Jesus Christ, who's paid the penalty for us, and that he satisfied the justice and the judgment and the wrath of God on our behalf, and that we can go before the Father, we can um, acknowledge our our down, our shortcomings, our failures, our sins, and we can even come before the Lord and share our grievances uh, and and be honest with Him and to pray and and to seek Him and in, in all the the matters, both uh, good in our life and and the things that are 
evil and wicked in this world. So I want to share Psalm 73 with you. So you have your Bible. Once you take a moment, maybe just to pause this so you can join me as we read Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is titled, God is my strength and portion forever. And this is how it begins. Psalm 73 is a Psalm of Asaph. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, How can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I discerned their end. Truly you set them in slippery places, you make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish, and you put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Now, I have to share something with you. The morning that I was reading this, I usually start the mornings before I'm reading the word uh, with some music to worship God and just to praise him and to thank him for who he is and what he's done and to glorify him. And one of the songs that's been on replay, I'm really bad about replaying songs a lot and a creature of habit very much so. But one of the songs I was listening to was My Portion. Shane and Shane has recently released an album and I'm really uh, enjoying that right now, listening to that and the Psalms and the spiritual songs, Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And my portion is one of those there in the bridge part. It talks about my heart, my flesh may fail, but you are my portion. And then I did not realize lo and behold that my morning reading was part of Psalm seven was Psalm 73 was a portion of that. And as I was reading that, I, I began to really be convicted in my own heart. And as I was reading 73, in thinking about that song of singing that, realizing where God has brought me from, the ways that I once walked in, and also having those moments of looking at uh, the wicked, and we'll talk about that in just a few moments, but looking at those who are prospering, and it it seems that as if that they're getting away with things, that they're getting away with wickedness, and they're getting away with, with falsehoods, and lies and deceit, and that they're just continuing to prosper in spite of all that. 
And I think that we can all relate to that when we when we read Psalm 73. Um, I'm I'm always reminded for one thing when when reading the Psalms of my frail humanity and at the same time the the glory and the power of God. In Psalm 73 we see it has the same theme as uh, a couple other Psalms. Psalm 37 has a similar theme to it. Psalm 49 is another that can relate to Psalm 73. And the book of Job, when you read through Job, that it very much relates to Psalm 73 and they're intertwined. So this is something that you can see consistently is a pattern. You see this in the New Testament when Paul is talking about his own sins and his own shortcomings and glorifying God and and acknowledging um, his frailty and his humanity and the sinfulness, that being the chief of sinners and such, and but yet glorifying God and recognizing his sovereignty and his power and his mercy and his grace and his love, his steadfast love. Yet we 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 see this going on in in the scripture. We see this going on in our world, and it can be so easy to fall into this trap of looking at the prosperity of the wicked and focusing on that rather than focusing on the goodness of God. And what is beautiful about Psalm 73 is at the very beginning of this psalm, you see that the psalmist Asaph is focusing on the goodness of God. He says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But then he goes on to acknowledge his own sin and his own failure, that he was going to stumble, that his feet came close to stumbling, actually. His steps had almost slipped. And the reason why is because he took his eyes off of God for a moment, and he began to focus on the prosperity of the wicked. So we see here in Psalm 73 that there's a focus on the goodness of God, and at the same time, the prosperity of the wicked. And again, we've already talked about there's several places you can find this in Scripture that correlate with one another. I bring this up again because it is extremely easy Maybe it's, maybe it's not easy for you, but I'll just tell it myself. So it's very easy for me to focus on what we see all around and before me. It's easy for me to be moved by temporal things and to look at what I don't have or to wonder why the wicked continue to go on prospering. It is much easier to focus on what we see in our, with our eyes, to uh, focus on what we feel with our emotions based on what we see with our eyes and hear with our ears. It is easy to, to look around and wonder why the wicked continue to go on prospering. I have had these thoughts many times, um, and even in our current climate that we look around, we can have in both individual and on a national basis and on a global basis, we look around and we go, why are these, we see these people that are, that are doing such wicked and evil things, and yet they're still prospering according to the world standards, that is. They're still gaining money. They're fat and sleek. That's not necessarily talking, it would seem, about somebody's body. As this psalmist is talking about, it says, uh, there are no pains in their death and their body is fat. They are not in trouble as other men, um, nor are they plagued like mankind. But this is, it seems like, and their eyes bulge with from fatness. This is almost talking about the love of the greed, their, that their pride is their necklace, um, that th their garment of violence covers them. They These people are focused on worldly goods. They're focused on the temporal things that will not last and the things that will not save them. I was actually reading this morning, and there was a passage I came across, I believe it was in Zephaniah, and it talked about that the silver and gold of, of the wicked will not save them. 
that is something that we have to recognize that the evil is not in the goods itself, but in the love of those goods, it becomes idolatry. And so these people are idolatrous and they're wicked and they're focusing on the temporal things of this earth and they're putting their faith in those things. They're putting their love and their desire into those things. And they're not putting their love and desire into the righteousness of God and looking to him for um, supply or need or the, they're not even looking at the goodness of God, which is vastly richer than anything that this world could offer. And so it is very easy when as believers in Christ, it is so easy, even as not as an unbeliever, there are people that are unbelievers and they will focus on, on the riches of this world. They may not see the, those people as wicked, but they focus on the riches and they go, well, why can't I have those things? Why are these people able to do such, have these places of power and they're, they're corrupt and they're able to have these things? Why can't I have them? And as believers, we are redirected back to God. That's where our direction is supposed to be aimed. When we see this in Psalm 73, we see these worldly people. We also see false teachers in the church. There is a very well-known uh, minister I've seen this video several times, and every time I see it, it it really causes a righteous anger in me when I see it, and it's very sad at the same time. But there is this well-known minister. He was recorded recently of telling people during this this gathering that, that they were having trying to raise money that the reason why Jesus was, had not come back yet for his people was because Christians were not giving enough. They were not giving enough money and not hastening his return. And so when the believer, he said, I believe that when Christians start to give to what we're doing right now, this victory thon, that that is going to speed up the time for Christ to come back and the father's going to send Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I'll just be very transparent with you. This is one of those examples that I think of in Psalm 73. It's not just the people in this world that I think of. When I think of this, when I think of people in higher powers of government and such that do wicked abominations, that are pro-abortion, that believe that killing innocent life is acceptable. So when you think about the government that grows, that seems to grow more wicked and corrupt, and that there may be a, a, few, a handful in those that are really wanting to serve God and, and to serve the people and to glorify God in what they're doing in, in their position. And to use that for the glory of God. You see this wickedness and this corruption abounding. And it, it's, we all, I mean, I've done this and going, what is going on here? I mean, these people are absolutely corrupt and it seems like it's getting worse. It's not getting better. They continue to grow in their, in their popularity and their corruption. They continue to do the things that they're doing and they're getting away with it. There's no accountability. You know, we see this in the news. We'll see people that'll say, well, this came out about this person or that person. And I don't know about you, but uh, I, I hate to be cynical, but my thought is, well, these people are not going to be held accountable in this life anyway. When they die, they're going to be, they're going to stand before the Lord and they're going to be accountable. They're going to face judgment for what they've done because if they've truly done these things and they've not repented before the Lord and turned from their wicked ways and received Christ as their, and, and acknowledge Christ as their savior, they are going to face eternal torment and punishment and judgment for what they've done. So they won't escape it. But in this world, we tend to look at, at what's going on now and we go, well, they're not answering for any of this, God. Well, also, too, I look at false teachers, these people that are promoting false doctrine and they're leading people astray. And what's sad, to, what's angering to me is that they're doing this 
and they're profaning God's name and they're profaning God's word. They have no regard, no reverence for the word of God. All and greed is their belly. The greed that they have, it's greed. When you tell people and it's and it's manipulation, when you tell people Jesus is going to come back when you start giving more money to my ministry, run from those people. That is not the gospel. When you tell people that you are denying Christ in that in a capacity you are denying the truth of the word of God, our finances do not hasten the return of Christ. Okay, and you can look at scripture and see that. But the false teachers, it's it's angering and it's frustrating to see that. And on the other side of that, it's very sad because those people are deceived and they're deceiving others. And then there's additional sadness because there are people that believe this, that they don't know what scripture says. They they don't have a love for the word of God. They have a love for these other things. And they truly have essentially a love for money themselves. And this is why they listen to these certain teachers because it appeals to their flesh and it appeals to their emotions and it appeals to that sinful nature that we all can fall into that trap of listening to. And it's like a used car salesman of saying, well, this, this is the great value you're going to get from this. If you'll just do this right here and it'll, you'll know, you'll, you'll reap all the benefits of this, but it's not true. And so we can look at all of all of these things, these different examples. I'm sure you can come up with many other examples as well. And it's frustrating. And we can we can be like this psalmist was and he was looking at, you know, that their eyes bulge from fatness and the imaginations of their heart run riot and they mock wickedly speaking of oppression. They speak from on high. They have set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue parades through the earth. We can see how these people are acting and then to even see that some of these people in higher places um, in, in leadership and stuff and in the government and other areas, they're profaning the name of God. They're even questioning who God is. They're saying, how can God know? And it, it says prior to this in verse 10, therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. His people. That is sobering to read that. And it says, therefore, his people turn back to them, God's people, and they find no fault in them. They find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? And these people are wicked. Anybody who would say that, that God does not know, they are, they don't realize that there is a justice that they will face. There is true biblical justice. There is God's justice that will be handed out to them. They're always at ease and they increase in riches. And this psalmist says, he, he sees in his own heart, in verse 13, he says, All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. He feels like that he's done this for nothing. That he's seeing the prosperity of the wicked and he's going, Well, God, I, you know, I've, I've kept myself clean. I haven't done these things. I've kept my heart clean before you. And not given over, given over like other people have to these things. And again, this is our own way of thinking that we're taking our eyes off of Christ off of the things of God, and we're focusing on the wickedness that's going on. We're focusing on the evil. We're focusing on the depravity around us. We're focusing on the the people that suppress the truth of God. And listen, we have we there is a part of us that that has to acknowledge that because part of the gospel is telling the truth. But there comes a point where if we're just wallowing in this and we're we're obsessed with it and we're fixating on it, that that it can consume us and then we become embittered and then we're not we're no good to anybody 
were no good to people that we're supposed to be ministering to. These very people that need the gospel, even if their, their consciences are seared, we don't know that. God's the only one that knows that. But we are to minister and proclaim the gospel to everyone. And it is God who does the work in people. It is God who softens hearts. It is God who who perks the ears of his own sheep to hear the shepherd's voice, if you will, like in John 10, and to hear the shepherd calling, to hear the voice of that shepherd who is Christ, and to hear the gospel proclaimed and to hear the call to repent and believe and be saved. God is the only one that can do that. We are to minister that, but we do not turn people's hearts. We don't save people. God does that. He does the work in them. But yet we can get very weary of looking around and going, God, look at all these people. They're so wicked and they're depraved. And look at these false teachers and what they're teaching people. And people are still being led astray and they don't see and they don't hear God. Why? Why are these people still prospering? Why are these people still wealthy? Why are these people not being held accountable? Why are they not being brought to their knees? Why are they not being brought to their knees with what they're doing and what they're saying Why are they not grieved? Why are they not being brought to contrition? Why are they not being brought down low, God? Why are they just continuing to be elevated in spite of all this? And we can be like this psalmist that we believe, well, all I'm doing is in vain. What? Why am I even doing this? Why? Why am I even ministering the gospel? Why am I even posting stuff on social media? Why am I even going to certain places? Why, you know, there are people that stand outside abortion clinics. Why am I even standing out here when I'm getting spit on and cursed at and yelled at and mocked and belittled and it's all for nothing and these people are wicked and they're prospering and they're mocking and laughing at me and they're just getting away with literally murder in that instance. Why are, why am I doing this? And we can think it's all vanity. And then we, re- we get rebuked because this psalmist did says for all the verse 14 for all the day long I've been stricken and rebuked every morning if I had said I will speak thus I would have betrayed the generations of your children the generation of your children and so he would have been in sin if he would have said the things that were in his heart that he was thinking that if he would have ministered this to other people and said this proclaimed this to other people that he would have done damage he would have he would have caused some issues to occur in other people other than just himself. It wouldn't have been just, it wouldn't have just affected him. It would have affected others. And so the, the change and the shift in this Psalm comes in verse 16 when the Psalmist says, but when I thought how to understand this, meaning understand all the wickedness was going on, the prosperity of the wicked and such, it seemed to him a wearisome task in verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God And then I discerned their end. You know, God has a way of rebuking us as his children in our thinking and reminding us of of his justice. And we must remember that as as his children, that he does rebuke us and correct us. And he does it in, in a way that he wants us to grow in spiritual maturity and to continue to turn to him in spite of all the wickedness that's going on. And he reminds us of his justice when this psalmist went into the sanctuary of God, he discerned their end. Now, that seems really weird to be talking about understanding and even possibly even rejoicing in the end of the wicked. We see this in the book of Revelation. Uh, I Forgive me, I cannot remember exactly where it's at in Revelation, but it's, it's later on in Revelation that you see the gathering of all of those that are around 
uh, in heaven are rejoicing, um, I believe, when Babylon is destroyed and the people that are around the throne of God are actually rejoicing at the justice of God, at the righteousness of God, because wrongdoing is punished. It may not be punished in this life. It may not seem to, to incur the justice that it's supposed to in this life, but every one of us will stand before God and have to give an account of both good and evil that's been done. Second Corinthians 5 talks about this, and that we will stand before God. All of us will. We will have to give an account, not of what our ancestors did, not of what our mom and dad did. We will have to give a personal account of what we did in our lives. We'll, we'll, we'll all face this, both those who believe in Christ and those who have rebelled and rejected Christ. We will all stand individually and face God in that judgment. And the judgment has been paid for those of us in, in Christ. The judgment has already been satisfied. The justice has already been fulfilled through Christ and what he did on the cross. For those that have rejected Christ, they will face that judgment because in the wrath of God because they have rejected Christ. This is part of the gospel, of understanding the gospel, and the good news that comes through Christ of his death, burial, and resurrection, and, and faith in him, faith in Christ alone, for him as our Savior, and acknowledging what he's done on our behalf. When we think about these things, we're reminded of the justice of God, and God does have a way of rebuking us and correcting us like he did this psalmist. He goes on to say, truly you set them, these wicked people, in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. That's such strong language. But it, it, it helps us to see again, when you read Psalms, you're going to see the correlation, the type and shadow of a believer in Christ sharing in, in prayer when we come before the Lord or we're talking to the Lord and we're airing our grievances and we're we're praying and we're we're saying these these things before God. This is a very real picture of a believer in Christ. I, I'm I'm not going to portray myself as some pious person that comes before the Lord and go, oh God, I just worship you and I praise you, which I do say those things. But there are times I come before the before the Lord, I'm going, God, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand this. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I don't understand why this is going on, or I don't understand why these people are prospering, why these people are not being exposed for who they are and what they are and why people can't see what's going on. God, what is happening here? What is going on? Or if there's something, you know, personal going on in, in our lives, it doesn't look all pretty and pious when we come before God. It looks messy. And this, the Psalms continuously remind us of our humanity and the, the fragile nature of our humanity, all of us, and showing that we are fallible people. We are sinful, fallible people that, that have fallen short. And thank God for the grace and the mercy of God that, that helps us. And that thank God for the Holy Spirit who indwells us and matures us and, and is continuing to conform us to the image of Christ. And even in our shortcomings and even in our failures, that there is this reminder in our moments of weakness. And this is a moment of weakness when we're focusing on those that are wicked and that we're obsessing over them. It's one thing to call these teachings out and to want them, want people to come to Christ and to, ex and to expose them for what they are. And you want people to see the truth. 
there are people that will that will just focus and obsess about these things constantly, and they're angry and they're embittered. They don't want pe- these people to turn to Christ. They don't want them to repent, even the wicked people. They don't want them to repent and turn from sin. They don't want them to not perish. And at the same time, we see, you, you know, it, it's kind of strange. It's, a, it's paradoxical, really, to understand you want people to come to Christ, and at the same time, those that don't come to Christ, it's not that you relish in their destruction or their their eternal punishment, but you praise God for his justice because he is a just God. Because if he didn't punish sin, then he would be unjust. Just like we would say a natural judge that didn't punish sin would be unjust. If he just let somebody go that had murdered somebody and there was no uh, conviction that came in, in the legal sense, no conviction, no sentence, no penalty for that crime, if that judge just said, well, you're free to go, you know, we're not going to punish you. We would call that judge unjust. But we have a God, we belong to a God who is just, who is just. And he sent his son to die on the cross and fulfilled the wrath of God for sin and paid the penalty for that and fulfilled that. And that was justice. And those that reject it, they're going to face God's justice because they're not going to escape it. Thank God that he corrects us. Thank God that in, in the midst of our of our um of our complaining and and even of our lamenting of true problems, true depravity in this in this world and the wickedness of the and the prosperity of the wicked and the false teaching that prospers and such that thank God that he reminds us and redirects him back to himself and he tells us a truth. Yes, there are people that are wicked and they're prospering, but when we come into the sanctuary of God like the psalmist does and we understand what his word says, then we understand they may not answer for things in this world, but they're going to before God when they die. They're not going to escape it. And so the psalmist continues to go on, and he's reminding himself of his own shortcomings, his own failures, that he was embittered. He, and when he was pricked in his heart, brutish and ignorant, he was like a beast toward God. And he says, nevertheless, in verse 23, I, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you receive me to glory. This is talking, this seems to be talking about an eternal glory. This is the promise of eternal life. Again, I, I keep saying this, but I think it's important to hear it. When you're reading Psalms, see how you can relate the type and shadow to the new covenant that we're under. And see this because the, the, the psalmists were telling of this. They were even prophesying of Christ. They were prophesying of things that Christ would say when he was on the cross and such. In Psalm 22, it's several things that are in there, for example, that are referencing Christ. But you can see this here. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you receive me to glory. Well, what is his counsel? That's the word of God. This is why it's so important to stay in the word of God all the time as believers daily to stay in the word of God, to bring God's words to remembrance. It's counsel. It's instruction. We should not despise the counsel of God because his word instructs us in the way to walk. And then when we leave this earth, we're received into glory. That's a beautiful promise. It's a beautiful thing to focus on. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire desire besides you. Verse 26, this is a a very well-known verse, and it was the one I was referring to uh, at the beginning in the bridge of the psalm, of the song, my portion. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. Another way of saying strength there is also, or the rock. He is the rock of my heart and my portion forever. So this psalmist is recognizing there's a there's a change here that took place, as we said, in verse 16. It begins to shift. 
And the psalmist begins to understand. He puts his focus back on God and he sees the truth of what God's word says. And he reminds himself of who God is and that the greatest treasure is God himself. Uh, these people that are that are prospering in their wickedness, and there's nothing wrong with having nice things in this earth, but there's a difference when you're prospering and you're wicked and you're continuing to prosper in your greed and your idolatry and you're not focused on God. You're focused on these things being your God. There is a big difference in that. There's a difference between you, us having possessions and those things possessing us. There's a big difference in that. And if God has granted certain people to be stewards over things, then that's great. That we use it to the glory of God, that we that we praise God for those things. We understand that those things do not identify us. Uh, they do not mean that God favors us because we're prospering in 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 goods and such. This psalmist is is recognizing the ultimate treasure is God Himself. It's not in these in these goods. It's in God Himself, and there are references to eternal life in here, as we've already talked about, and God being the the that His portion, the rock of His heart, His strength forever. This is a great reminder for those of us in Christ to keep our focus on Him, as He is talking about. You know, He recognizes those who are wicked, who are far from God, they're going to perish, and that God's going to put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to Him. But as for me, it is good to be near God. And the psalmist says, I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. So this psalmist is encouraging himself again as we see this time and time again in Psalms. The psalmist is encouraging himself to put his focus back on the Lord. And that's what we should be doing as believers is our focus is to be on Christ and to look to his eternal promise that his that has only come by faith alone in Christ alone. Those eternal promises are only through faith. It, it does not matter how much money you and I have. It doesn't matter how nice of a home we live in. It doesn't matter um, how much food that we have uh, stored up. It doesn't matter how much money we have in the bank. It doesn't matter how much we have in our savings. It doesn't matter how many private jets we own. It matters none of that. What ultimately matters is that we have faith alone in Christ alone. That is the only thing that will save. That was. That is the only thing that will save us. And the wicked have no refuge. I mean, when I read through Psalm 73, one of the things that's really, um, that stands out to me is that the wicked have no refuge. They think they do, but they don't. There is nothing to shield them from the justice of God. And I want you to keep that in mind. And that, again, is not in, in to relish and to say, oh, they're going to perish. I'm so happy about that. We don't rejoice in a person's perishing. What we rejoice in is the justice of God. There is a difference. We don't relish that people are going to go to hell. But what we do rejoice in is that, again, God is a just God. And if people are not going to turn from their sins, and we want them to, we want them to to repent and come to Christ. We want them to repent and acknowledge Christ as their Savior and to turn from their wicked ways. And if they don't, then we understand that God's justice is there and it's not going to fail. So the wicked have no refuge. There is nothing to shield them from the justice of God. But as believers in Christ, we have great solace. We have great peace. We should have great joy in God who is our refuge. And we have placed our trust in him. And we are to look to what awaits in glory with Christ. That is the promise that we look toward. I hope that that encourages you today. And, and, and I have to encourage my own self in that there's every day we're faced with things in our life that are difficult or just these trials that come up that whether they're 
uh, short-lived or they're minor or they become major things, we can get so bogged down with the cares of this world, the things that are going on in this world that, again, are evil and wicked, that are depraved, that are false teachings, and and we can look at the things that people, how people are operating that are unbelievers, uh, professing unbelievers in the world, or maybe they're professing believers, but they really haven't heard the gospel. And that, and some people don't like hearing that, but that's the truth. There are churches that are full of people that have not heard the gospel. They don't understand the gospel. They, they've believed that they've just said a prayer and that they're saved in that capacity, but there's, there's no, there's no change in their heart. There's no conviction of sin. There's no love for the counsel of the word of God. We need to recognize that the gospel is is not just for unbelievers. It's for believers. It's for all of us to continually have that in the forefront of our mind. This is why I need the gospel every day because I fall short. I, I'm, I'm like the psalmist. I, my eyes are going to divert to the things in this world and I'm going to be um, distracted by these things and get in the muck and mire of, of this and become I could become embittered by by what's going on with these people. I don't want to do that. I want to be one of those people that can look at those situations, can see the injustice going on, wants to talk about the injustice, not be embittered by the injustice or the wickedness going on and the sinfulness, to be able to address those things in truth and in love and to come back always come back to the ultimate foundation of our joy and our our peace and our hope, and that's in Christ. It's in Christ. So I hope that this has helped you today uh, to, to focus on this, and I encourage you, for one thing, if you're not reading the Bible every day as a believer in Christ, or even doing like a Bible reading program, maybe you have a desire to read the Bible in a year, and you, you didn't know how to go about doing that, and you thought, oh, I just don't want to, you know, I don't want to go book by book. I wanted to do something that maybe breaks it up a little bit, or however you wanted to do it. But get yourself in the Word. That's that's the point, is get yourself in the Word, and study the Word. If you come across a verse that you're reading, and it stands out to you, then maybe spend some time looking into it, so you can understand it better. And let me say this as well. Just because... I read through the whole Bible in a year or someone else does, or they say, oh, I've read the Bible 20 times cover to cover. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I mean, I can read this whole Bible in a year, but if I'm not getting before the, the Lord and wanting to understand what his word says, wanting to grow in spiritual maturity, if I'm just wanting to put this on a checklist and say, oh, yeah, I read the Bible in a year. Look at me. Aren't I special? but I'm not growing in the Lord, then I've just basically done some task on my checklist. And I've made it something that I want to just mark off and say that I've done and make it sound like I'm more spiritual. But have I grown? Am I the same person I was before I started doing that? That's the question. Is Am I the same person that I was before I started doing that? Or has God been changing me Every time I read the word and he's been giving me a desire to feed on his word, to read it, to meditate on it, to ponder on it, to want to be conformed ever more into the image of Christ by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Am I the same person that I was before I read this? Or is there is there spiritual growth that's taking place in me? And there is there conviction that when I read this, is there... Um, a softening, a continual softening of my heart to the things of God. 
am I being changed when I read this because this word is alive and active as we know in Hebrews 4. The the word is is God speaking for certain. We can be sure of this and it's good counsel for us. And I don't want this to be something for me that I just check off a checklist and say, oh, yep, I read the Bible in a whole year. I want to be able to understand. I want to leave the word that day and understand it better than I did before I opened my Bible. And one thing I, I'm not great at, but I want to continue to, to remind myself before I open the word of God is to pray and to say, God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that I'm that I'm led by the Holy Spirit. And I ask you before I open this Bible to open this word, help me in my understanding with what I'm reading. Help me uh, to send people across my path if I don't understand or give me the desire. I want the desire to understand your word better. But help me in my understanding by your spirit before I open this Bible. And as I begin to read, help me if there's confusion there. I ask that you'd help me in the understanding so that way I I can follow your word better and and understand it more and grow in glorifying you in all things. So that's a look at Psalm 73. And uh, I hope that it, it blesses you. Take a look at it yourself. Ponder on it, what it's talking about. And um, those that are operating in wickedness, we pray that they come to Christ. We pray that they turn from their wicked ways. We pray that they understand the the mercy and the love of Christ, and at the same time, the justice, that they will not escape the justice of God. They will not escape the judgment of God, and that they we, we want them to not perish. We want them to have eternal life through Christ alone. We pray that they turn from their sins. We pray that God pricks their hearts, and that they turn from evil and wicked ways, and they turn from these false teachings, maybe, that they're perpetuating to other self-professing believers, and we also pray, too, that believers will begin to, their eyes and their ears will be open, those that belong to Christ, that their eyes and ears will be open to hear the truth and that they will begin to turn back to the truth of the Word of God in the proper context and that they will not listen to false teaching and be led astray and into more deception. hope this has blessed you today, and I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.